Well, Neville, first of all, nice to see you anyway. And uh, tell, tell us the reason behind your visit to Cork. I know you have been in Cork once before. Yeah, I think I've only been once. I think we played a pre-season game here. All I can remember is it's a lovely hotel. Can't remember anything about the game or anything afterwards. So, no, it's, it's a beautiful place, and obviously we're here for some of the food banks and and what you do in town. The uh, what's it called? Penny dinners. Penny dinners is. We met the lady this afternoon. I'll tell you what, how she hasn't got an MBA or or, mm. or anything like that or a dame. She's just inspirational. Yeah, you were taken back a bit, were you? I've met some brilliant people, but there was nobody that I would never say no to. But I think her. I think I might have to say, I would never say no. So I think, I think look, what she's done, I think is a blueprint for most major cities. Mm. Because you've got your food bank and you've got your other stuff, that she, but she's brought it all together. She's brought the hospitals, the doctors, everybody together. And to do that is an amazing feat. And, you know, she's, she's got tons of volunteers, but you can see it's her driver her vision. And you know, with every great vehicle, you need a fantastic driver. Mm. And she's 10 times better than Lewis Hamilton. Mm. Just tell us a bit about what you're doing at the moment in your own work, um, Neville. I work in a special school in Evervale, which is in the Welsh Valleys, which I think is the second most deprived place in Britain. Uh, we take kids from the primary schools, the comprehensive schools, the kids who don't get on with school, are excluded or on the verge of exclusion with behavioural and some, well most of them have got either anxiety or mental health problems and we're supposed to have them for six weeks and turn them around but most of them stay with us so we've got a primary um, at the moment that's got about um, 15 and we've got um, a little unit upstairs the more challenging kids and we've got a house full of school phobics self-harmers and people like that and then we've got the our comp which has got about Mm, roughly, five, roughly 40 or 50 kids in and we're ram full and because of the cotton education schools can't afford to have anybody who can disrupt classes and mm. so they push them out and then we pick them up and you know, we've done well so far our last year's results were better than most of the comps so the kids aren't stupid um, they just in certain one way or another don't have school or, or can't cope with the school so but when they come to us they get small classes you know, maximum of eight in a class with a teaching and a teaching assistant. It basically is like private education. If they want to buy into it, it's great. If they don't, then we try and find vocational stuff for them to do. Yeah, how did you get involved? And was it was it kind of football related first? Was it football the hook kind of thing? Um, well, I left. Um, probably in the end, I left somewhere to go to uh, Dover to do the job, and then from Dover, I got a sack at Dover. Which was always going to happen to be fair. Um, I started a, a scheme with somebody else, taking kids off the dole and trying to get them back into work through coaching, and we did that. We were quite successful. And then while I was there, uh, a special school come and asked me to go and work with them. And then I did that for uh, about a year. Then I found out there was things that I didn't like about the place, and I moved on to Kent County Council, and that's where I did my uh, PGC, PGC. Mm. Uh, and then I did. And then we had our own stuff doing MBQs and so I passed me MBQ assessors thing and things like that. So I've done more qualifications since I left school than I ever did in school. So you know, I know what the kids go through. Some of the kids don't like exams. Some of the kids don't can't cope with that pressure. So, but I do think in this day and age we're going to have to change the way we do exams because when I was in school and probably you didn't, well, maybe not you, but most people now have got Google. Mm. So they don't have to remember stuff. They mm. just have to Google it. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. And use a calculator. Mm. They don't have to remember stuff. So I, I think at some, some stage in the future we'll have to look at how we teach the kids and 
is there any real need for an exam? Mm. Because they can Google everything. Uh, you get satisfaction with the job, obviously, Neville. Is it, it's a good job satisfaction for you? It can be fantastic. And it can be... One day you can go in, it can be fantastic. The next day you can go in and you wish you never went to work. Depends on the kids. You don't know what you're walking into. So that, that's why I like it. I like the unpredictability. If, if they were all good kids and they did exactly what you told you, I'd be bored stiff in a week. But with these, you don't know whether they've just come in, they've just gone to bed and you come up. You know, some of them do come in and they haven't been to bed. So do we push them into science or do we just let them sleep? So we have to make that call and most of the time we let them sleep because it's, all we're going to do is make them more angry and it's a waste of time. They'll be trying to get to the bottom of them why they didn't sleep. So everyone in here has got their own little problems and we just have to work around the problems. And sometimes there's a combustion when it all blows up and sometimes it's nice. So it just depends mm. on the kids really. And you know, we go in with us, things that we want to do and most of the time it gets done. And you've got to remember a lot of these kids have, have got their own way a lot of the time and it's some of the first times where we're consistently saying no to them. So that takes a little bit, but if you walk around our school now, you wouldn't know, because at times it's incredibly quiet. Mm. I just want to ask you, Neville, like, how much time do you give to football these days, like in terms of going to matches, watching on TV? Are you a good spectator yourself? Like, do you give much time over now to watching football? No. Um, I had two foster kids, so they both played football on Saturday morning, and at one stage we were both playing rugby on a Sunday morning. So um, with my job is I drive between Monday and Friday 600 miles at least to work and back so by the time the weekend comes I don't really want to go anywhere I haven't been to Everton for a while uh, purely because I can't get there you know, if I go up there it's usually a dinner straight back so mm. uh, I watch it on the telly on a Sunday afternoon but most of the games I never see the second half because right. I'm asleep <laughs> the, the, the game like does it excite you now the way the game has gone does, does football excite you anymore I've loved the World Cup Mm. The ladies will cop. I've loved that mm. because mm. that's what it should be like. You know, they all get up and get on with it. They don't scream and shout and, and moan. And they do try and cheat because that's the nature of the game. But in the main, they're pretty honest bunch. And I've been really pleased with how it's come across on the television. And I watched some of the games the other day, and they were quick. You know, and the, once they get the pace of it, mm. it's good. Premier League, Premier League. When I played, there were so many variants of teams. You, you know, we could play Wimbledon on a Tuesday night and they just launch the ball in a box. So that was one problem. And then you go to Liverpool on a Saturday and you try and play through you. And you might go to Watford on the next following Tuesday mm. and they do exactly the same as what Wimbledon did. So I think in the Premier League, everybody plays the same way. Mm. And I think that sort of cancelled itself out. And I'm still yet to wonder why, if you're Man City, somebody of that quality and you play somebody like I don't know Cardiff why you drop off on the halfway line and give them a whole half to play in because you're better than them so it, for me it's it's about trying to put pressure on them and to, because they're not as good as you so they can make more mistakes in their half mm. why give them a half to play in and give them that confidence on the ball so I think that's changed you know and they say well goalkeepers need to be better passers well if the ball comes to me and everybody runs away I'm sure I can pass from here to that don't I Ain't that bad. Mm. So I think we've been conned a little bit that everyone thinks they're better passers and stuff now. Well, they're not really. They just give them more time and more space. Because mm. you know, so, people... And you can tell because they go on about mileage, how much mileage age player do. And when you, when you look at who wants to be bought these days, it's either strikers or somebody can run up and down the pitch. Mm. And that, to me, tells me what 
all you need to know about the game. Like, do you think, because we'd say there's 30% of English born people playing in the Premier League now, only 30%. Like, is the game played in more or less the same way across Europe, do you think, now? And yeah, I think that's why people win the Champions League. Mm. You know, I think that's why English teams. a great year for English teams, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I think because. But I also think it's watered down all the derby games. The derby games aren't the same because they don't know the same feelings. Mm. It's not, you know, if you look at the Everton Liverpool game, how many scouts is playing now? But not many, and, and I think it dilutes it down Man City, Man United. Mm. How many Manchester lads? Mm. You know, I think it does dilute everything down. And I, I think that's a shame, but, you know, it's, it's up to the English FA and the Welsh FA, Scottish FA. Got to get the fingers out and do something about grassroots football because grassroots football's dying and they don't want to do anything about it. But they've got to realise that's where all the players come from. Mm. And at the moment, I don't think the Premier League give the five percent. I think they only give about two and a half to three percent. You know, I would love to see Everton and Liverpool just go in the pocket and put a million pound into Liverpool so all the kids play for nothing. Mm. I think that'd be a good start. And I think if every Premier League did a million pound in their area for kids to play free, the FA could then move some of the other money that they were using into the areas that you know that couldn't afford to do it or didn't have a Premier League team. I think that would be a good way of doing stuff. But at the moment, they seem to just turn their backs on grassroots football. I don't think mm. that's right. It doesn't seem to be the same loyalty from the time you played, loyalty from players. And you look at, I suppose, the papers this morning and um, David De Gea's on something like once 350 grand a week to stay mm. at United that's 80 and a half million a year like in, in your terms in your play if you're on that money you'd be getting like you'll be worth 300 million now you know yeah but at the same time it's, the players have so much power mm. you know you're not managing people anymore you're managing egos and it's, it's a really difficult job to do is you've got 14 or 15 players who are happy and you've probably got 9 or 10 who, who hate your guts because they're not in the squad mm. you know and I, I think it, we've been conned by lots of stuff in football. You know, nobody can play for 90 minutes anymore, they all get tired after 70. You've got the best fitness people in the world. Mm. Why can't they last 90? They, they seem to have, you know, they get tired. Why do they get tired? Why do they get mentally tired? What are the people doing? And I'm thinking, if Andy Murray and, and whoever can do five hours a day, why can't they? And I'm mm. thinking, we've been conned a little bit that people get tired why did he get tired I've never anybody come to ask me if I was tired doing my job and say well tell you what you've had you've had three weeks every week off no one's ever come to me that I think sometimes they lose the streetwise stuff and you can also tell that the, the people are bored with a lot of it because they commonly expect it to be boring because they're not really events now it's just like well okay mm. it's the same game every week you know if you can turn the telly on and it's you look at it and it's the same people every week doing the same stuff. Yeah. And, and, but we've been conned by it and there's, there's experts everywhere who say, right, come on, I'll tell you an hour before the game and tell you what might happen. Mm. And at half time they tell you what's already happened and then they tell you what might happen in the second half and then at the end of the game they tell you what's happened in the first and second half and what they should have done better. Mm. That to me is, mm. you know, that's like a lottery. Might win a ticket, might not. Yeah. If, we, if we don't, we don't. It's good money if you can get it as a first. Well, I, I think it is, but I think there's so many experts, and they try and they try and keep the viewers. It's got to point out, you know, I'm going to be really interested when Amazon come onto it. I think they're doing one game this year, aren't they? I think it's a Liverpool game. So once Amazon come in, Sky can have a real problem, mm. and I think that's going to be be interesting because the money will go up again. Mm. As for the players, the players have not much money because somebody's going to give it. But there's nobody in the right mind to turn it down. And if you can get 350 grand a week, you take mm. it.
Mm. I don't mean to say they're any better or, or any worse than what, what we were, but it's it's the going right. Mm. You know, so they get the going right and funny we don't we don't moan it for movie stars getting a million per film, so maybe mm. they would probably work out the number to be fair. So I, I do think the money's took the players away from the normal fan. You know, and that and that means if you've got a ninety million pound player, do you want somebody going round him all the time asking him? No, but that's what fans do, right? Mm. Fans are people, that, and the fans are the club. Mm. Clubs will remember that the players are just guests. Mm. The fans are the club. They have to look after the fans and not the players, because mm. the players will all move on eventually. The fans are the only things that that's gives them stability. Yeah, and we don't show any loyalty to our fans because we make five kits, you know. Special kit for this, special kit for that. Then we have three kits for this, and we have another Champions League shirt. Then we have this, then we have that. And then we put the price up. Then we pretend that you know by keeping them high, you know we're doing you a real favour because we're keeping them at five hundred quid a month a season because you know it's a cap. Yeah. So, so I think we con all the people all the time, but people love football, don't they? Mm. So they just buy into it. The global game, like what strikes me as well, Neville, is that you know from your time. Like they don't, there doesn't seem to be any more enforcers anymore. Like you know, the Robsons, the Soonesses, the Peter Reeds, you know, Whiteside, all people like that. Like it seems more technical footballers now. The enforcers are kind of slowly no, moving no, out again. Nobody wants, no, nobody wants physicality, mm. and that's a problem. Mm. And then again, the reason being, if I've got my ninety million pound car, I don't nobody scratch it, mm. and that's why they're taking it all out. That, and you know, VAR. Mm. I think is the biggest load of rubbish I've ever seen in my life because what is it going to do? It's going to sanitise football and who's it for? It's for the big clubs to make sure they don't get knocked out of anything because they want to keep the money. You're not going to tell me it's for little clubs who might play on a rubbishy pitch and get an offside goal and go through against Man United. Nobody wants that. The big clubs don't want that. They don't want chances. They want to go referee. You get hundred grand a year, but we're still not going to trust you. We need somebody, another four people, to look at a television set. Mm. Why? Well, why? Why should we? But why should we sanitise it? What are we going to talk about at half time? Well, you had two shots. Yeah, great. You had two shots. Oh, VAR sort of the goal. It was a goal. So there's no, there's no doubt about that. So we can't talk about that. Mm. At the moment, not. I do think they say it's going to get quicker. But if you look further ahead to Qatar in the world in the World Cup, there'll be four drinks breaks. And then four drinks breaks to be adverts. Mm. And that'll bring even more money in. And by yeah. the time they get through, the Premier League will have drinks breaks. Mm. I was going to ask about the VAR because you mentioned the Women's World Cup and you probably saw the penalty where the keeper was it's like it's slightly off the. It's embarrassing. It's well, harsh, isn't it? Well, so why don't they have one step back for the taker? Mm. You only have one step back like the kids do when they're messing about. Mm. A penalty's a penalty. You come off your line and retake it. If you don't, fine. Mm. So. For me, I always think that as soon as you step forward, you've cut your space down, your reaction time down, because you're getting closer to summer, mm. so your eyes can't adjust as quick. So if you work on the line, then it gives you that split second longer to see. And so for me, going along the line is, is easier because it buys you time to see the ball. Mm. So, so, But I just think they're playing at the, the rules. You know, handball. If I was playing now, I'd dribble in the box and just aim at people's hands. Mm. Get penalties all day long because they're, oh, they've got a defender like that. Yeah. It's not a normal body position. Mm. So mm. I think we've we took a lot of stuff out of it again because of cash. Mm. 
and as a referee, if you don't referee well against Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, City, where's your career? Mm. They all moan they don't want you. Where'd you go? Mm. You get all the shitty games. Mm. Well, I shouldn't say that. Really, should I? <laughs> but um, you know, we talked about the game changing. Has the goalkeeping position changed much? Like the role of the goalkeeper? Do you think now? No, I think the easiest way to sum it up, and I'll say it there tonight, is that twenty players dive, and the goalies really do. Mm. And they look to me as if they don't think enough about what they do. Because if you have a natural curl on the ball, mm. which is inside your foot's a natural curl, the outside your foot natural curl. If you get one straight at you and it, and it moves a bit, fine. But not many people shoot straight at you. So, but what are they doing in training? Mm. What are they doing in training? It's, it's all of a sudden it's a massive shock when the ball moves on a Saturday. Surely you just train and you get used to it, but they're, they're quite content just to get a hand on the ball. And I'm thinking, that's just silly. If you're going to do that, then you're saying, well, there's nothing I can do about the second one. But if you get it out of the danger area and you work hard to get it out of the danger area, then that's fine. But some of them, they can catch the ball anyway. But I, th- I think the, the other, for me, the other biggest con in the world is, is that how do you improve as a, as a radio presenter? Can you do it by not by not doing it, or do you do it by doing it loads of times? Loads of times, practice. So, but if I to, I come to you and say, "Oh, an hour today," that's all you can do. Mm. When do you how do you improve? It takes you twice as long to improve. And I look at the Premier League and I go, "Right, how many players have improved this year? Mm. Can you think of any? A few Liverpool players, maybe. But they're only a good team. Mm. So maybe, but they've done well. Mm. They were good players. So how many have really, how many have really, really improved? And I look at the goalkeepers. How many have really improved? Mm. Tell me, a goalkeeper, you think, well, wow, he's improved. Mm. Can't think of anybody. Mm. And I think, can you say that football's better now than it was last season, or the season no. before? No, really. So, if you've got somebody saying you've done enough, then how do, you, how do you get to be the elite? Look, to me, the SES trained beyond. So why aren't footballers? Mm. Because the SAS, well, the, the Premier League is the SAS of the football world. That's the top league. So the top league should be able to outrun, outpower everybody, and outthink everybody. But they don't. Mm. Because the ones that are going the money now, it's like a striker, and somebody can run about. Mm. If you have to buy somebody in your team that, that runs about, that's a sad indictment of football, isn't it? Mm. Well, you know, they're like the enemy guy. Why a PS3 G after him? Because he runs about. How, how sad is that? Mm. You know, what does he do when he gets the ball? He passes from there to the wall. But he runs around and breaks things up. Surely they all can run. They've all got two legs. Why stop? Why can mm. you stop? But, but for some reason, it's a thing in football where you have to buy somebody to run about. And I looked at Pogba and I looked at the two best players in the world, Ronaldo and Messi. Like Pogba, 90 million. Messi and Ronaldo, 120 million. To the extra thirties to get them to run about. Mm. Well, why can't you run about? In your contract, it says you've got to do the best for your club every single week. And if I was a manager now, I'd be saying, right, if you don't cover X amount of miles, then your contract's not involved. And, and, and I'd look at you and go, right, okay, so in this contract, you must cover this many miles every week, every game, or else we can get rid of you. You might see a change of attitude. And, and, and it is the philosophy of the club. Look at Liverpool. You press and press and press. 
Well, if they can do it, why can't everybody else? Man City press and press and press. What are they both want? If they keep winning, why? Because they don't let other teams sell. And they look at some of the. If I was, if I was Cardiff, and I was playing against Man City, well, would, would I let go? I'll tell you what. Let's give half a half a pitch to play in. Not a chance. Let's get right in the faces and make it a horrible game that they're not used to. I do think it's all the stuff underneath the first team, all the fitness and nutrition and everything. Are they any better? Are they any better now than they were 20 years ago? Are they any fitter? Well, they are fitting as much as they like resources. Probably look more like athletes, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But where's the drive and determination? Are there? You don't see many of them dying on their feet, do they? And, and flogging themselves to death. Mm. Why? I just wanted to take it back to, like, I suppose your younger days in Wales. Uh, never what attracted you to the goalkeeper position? You know? Well, only two reasons. Younger brother, older brother. Younger one's too young to run goal, older one wouldn't do it. Mm. I got stuck in goal, really. I, I enjoyed it, to be fair. I think it's... What I like about goalkeeping, it's, it's down to you. Mm. And I think it must be the same way presented. If you go in there and you make a mistake, it's on your head. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? This, this, because you're in charge, and if you make a mistake, yeah. I, I like the responsibility of that. And I think it's good that you, you know, you go in and go right. Here I am. I'll take responsibility for this. It's my fault. I hold my hand up. If it's your fault, it's your fault. But in the main, I'll make my mistakes, and I'll make my judgments, and I have to make all the judgments every week. And that's why I like it because my judgments can either kill or cure the team, and that's what I liked about it because it was, it was a. You know, people say it's mad, but it's not because you have to be a psychologist. Mm. Because you have to talk to ten other people to try and get them to do what you want to do. Mm. And as you know, you can't talk to everybody in the same way. You'd mm. like to think you can, yeah. but you can't. Mm. Because you'll always have somebody who doesn't want to do anything and pretend they're deaf. Unless you shout praise and they just perk up. They'll be the one who can give a fuck about it and see when it, and they respond. So it's about knowing the, knowing the people. And again, like like a hundred percent, it's about knowing your people, isn't it? It's about building a relationship with people. You know, you can't talk to the same way all the time about other people. So you get to know their their strengths and weaknesses, and whether they're quick, whether they're slow, whether they're brave, whether they're good in the air, whether they're not. Have they got a good brain? Are they made the right footed? So you have to try and take all of that in and go right and work out within a split second what's the best way to thing to do. I was reading your book, um, you know, the Bin, the Bin Man Chronicles, um, you know, about certain keepers that you admired, and mm-hmm. I think it, you you had said that Pat Jennings, an Irish man, Northern Ireland, was probably yeah. the best of the lot, was he? I think that you couldn't teach what Pat had. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can't teach it. Mm-hmm. You just can't be. For one... His own ability. But, but even his persona. Did you ever see Pat Jennings go mad anywhere? Mm. Never, ever seen Total Pat calm, yeah. Yeah. So when people look at me, they go, oh, well... Or whatever, whatever's good flying about, you look at him, you go, oh, I think it's trusting. Mm. You know, and I look at the others sometimes and they react to stuff and thinking, but as soon as you react, your your mind's gone off whatever you're supposed to be doing. He just kept his cool and just did whatever he did. He made. Um, Very good with his feet? Yeah, I, I, but I also think that he was unorthodox. He made saves with every part of his body. Well, you can't teach that. You haven't got it all you want. You, the things he had, you, you couldn't teach. You know, he had big hands, but he was a good communicator. He couldn't ruffle him up. Great shot stopper, great on crosses. Good kicker. What else do you need? Do, do you get frustrated when you think the likes of yourself 
He was regarded as the best goalkeeper in the world in your, uh, uh, at your peak. And Pat Jennings, like, was it frustrating for the likes of you and Jennings, the money that keepers run out compared to you know, what you produced in your day? Not really, no. Because they wouldn't survive in my life. But I'm sure that Ted Sagan and, and Frank Swift and Bert Trump didn't say the same about us. You know, so I, I, I think football evolves and I think every one of them goalkeepers in the past can play now because the physicality is not there so it's far easier mm. it's far easier because you don't you know, as soon as you touch you fall over I, I think the problems you get are less than ever because teams drop deep so there's only really Lorries who sweeps an awful lot in the Premier League you know Alisson does it okay at United uh, at uh, Liverpool but does it okay at City so but in the main most people just drop deep so you don't have to sweep that much Mm. So I think the brave teams do do push up. I think the other ones just drop off, and you don't have to do that much. But I think that'll change. Football goes in cycles, and I'm looking now, and it's it's got to a point now where it's got to change because one, I think it's 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 more than anything. Two, the top clubs have too much money to spend on 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 the big pool. Mm. So once they raid the big pool, there's nothing left for the, mm. the, the, the lesser teams with lesser money. And I think it's always going to be that the top teams do well. And you can see in the future a league that will break away. Because it will come. And I'm sure if China were any good, which I suppose they're all hoping for in the future, because the, the audience figures on the viewing figures on that would be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And there would be a Super League of China, America. I suppose you know, you're looking at India and Pakistan. Australia... It's probably too far it's probably not the quality it's been going a long time but when you look at them you can see a Super League coming because the big boys don't want the little boys to play mm. because they want all the money and I, th- and I think football reflects society and I think society is exactly the same as what football is it's the ones who've got money don't give a monkey's about the ones that haven't got money and really they should have feeder teams all the way down so, so if you, you know if you're Everton then you would put some money into Tramia, then would put money into a you know a conference team and then a conference team would put money into the next one. So there'd be a chain all the way down to the bottom. So there's a sort of map all the way through for a kid. So if you go to Everton on trial and you're not quite good enough then you go to Tramia. Mm. And then if you can't go quite enough to Tramia you go down the down the league again. And it's it's that little ladder if you like that, that gives them a good escape route instead of just going, see you later. You know, we should do an exit route better than what we're doing now because I think you get it in your jobs normally don't you mm. most of the jobs they have an exit route in football it's like there's a text but I see you later I know we don't have a lot of time though because you could talk for hours about your career <laughs> right? and I know you're to meet the Everton supporters here in Cork tonight and as always a great Irish connection as you well know whatever they've known the years and um, you know just just to talk about your own Everton career when you signed as young fella in your early 20s Horace Kendall brought you to Everton just talk to us about that time and how exciting it was and did you think you would have the career you had with Everton well I signed for Everton because well, nobody else had come in and the main thing is when, when I'd gone to Berry I was obviously hot carrying in Cheshire League and the opportunity came to Berry and I thought well I don't hot carry all my life but I know it'll come back to it so I'll go to Berry and if it don't work out I'll come back and hot carry because that's what I can do and when I got to Berry, I did okay. And Everton came in, and I thought, I, I just had the same thought. I'll go to Everton, because I know I can play at this level now. But what's the worst can happen? 
I'll find them and come back to work with Betty. And that's, that's all I did really. And then after that, then when I got there, I thought, well, I want to be in the first team by Christmas. And if I can't, I won't be very happy. But it worked out okay in the end. Mm -hmm. Kendall must have been a, a really good manager. He signed you, he must be a great manager because he developed everything to the best side in England in the, in the mid 80s. Yeah, I think he was a good man management. Uh, but he had a good eye for the player. You know, yeah. Last time so I never played him, it was Kevin Sheedy. And what people don't think about Kevin Sheedy as every player in our team could be replaced by somebody with Sheets from because Sheets had someone that nobody else had, he had the left foot. That could do wonders. And we never had anybody like him. You know, we had another forward, we had another goalkeeper, we had centre halves, and we field players, we didn't have another one of them. So without him, we were sure. And everyone goals, you know, important players, you know, strikers, but to me he, him being out of the team was like I was not having Maradona because he was that important to us because he could do things that nobody else could do and we didn't have anybody really in the team that was like him mm. and our children would die to get him any top of boxing play um, but he put it together a really good jigsaw and what he did do was trust you mm. and I think as a man you want trust and you know we could come in after the game and he'd say I think that was your fault for the goal we'd have a polite conversation and then I would say things like go away and then we'd both look at it over the weekend and if I was right he'd come in and apologise if I was uh, wrong I'd have to go and apologise to him but that's how he should be mm -hmm. because I trusted his judgement he trusted mine you have a different opinion on a day then you go away and you look at it and you go well fine and that's how you grow because you, you gain trust and you gain respect if he had no respect for me he would never come to me and apologise Mm. So he always gave me respect, and there was a period where I played well, I think, for six months, and every time in that six months he badgered me about something, a throw, a kick. You'd come in, you'd be buzzing, you'd go, yeah, that was good, but, and it was every other, but, 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 and I sat down with him and I thought, you've got to go, you've got to be shut up once and for all. And I came in after one game and he went, well played, and I was ten foot tall. But it was his way of just poking you a little bit mm. to get better and better and better. It's a big shock when he died, obviously. Massive shock because you know, I've had too many people die in football. Mm. I know Gary Speed was one where it's a massive shock. I heard that on the car on the way to Wales. I would, I'm not sure, I'm not sure whether somebody texted me or, or, or I seen it on television. And I didn't believe it. Um, I hopefully have a a nice stand in a new round in Deptford and a nice lounge. Mm. You've got a fantastic statue at the moment with the Holy Trinity, probably three best players ever to that. Gary Spee was probably a bigger shot because he was so young and the way it happened for him. And yeah, you know, when, when I, uh, well, I was driving down to Wales and I was on the phone and somebody kept trying to get through. And then I, t I turned off and it was Kitman and the Kitman told me. And I thought he was actually taking a mick. And I thought, no, no, that's not happening. And then, funny enough, it, it was true and yeah, it's a shock. But you've also got to remember, Gary was a perfectionist. And, you know, perfectionist, uh, uh, I strong. And really, he left Everton over pastoral fish and chips. Because he was that passionate about doing what he's supposed to be doing. You know, and he stuck to his guns, he was never told him he wanted to stay at Everton. But if he wasn't, he weren't going to do it right, he wasn't going to be there. Mm. And I thought that showed what sort of guy he was, really. He would, he would do the right thing all, all the time. It would have been easy for him to go, let's have fish and chips and I'll stay here and, and I'll just have a jolly up. Mm. But he wouldn't do that. And I think that says everything you need to know about him. Yeah. He was the only one when he, when, when he came to Everton, that was the only time we started doing cool rounds after the game. And sometimes it would be me and him and the, the coach and then 
obviously he came in a little bit more and he brought some real good habits and he was a real good captain. But I say it's a, it's a shock and it's, you know I've known I think that's us, was it? I think we we had the lads with Wales who did it a long time ago. Um just never spoke that much either lad called Alan Davis from Man United. Mm. And now Gary, so that's you know, I've known at least two suicides. Do you think you might have been able to help Gary? Like obviously he wasn't in a good place with the work you're doing now. Would you like to think you you might have been able to help him in some way? I'd like to think I could help him, but you just never know, do you? Mm. I, I I think look you need someone to talk to all the time. You know, people keep saying to me, well, you know, there's a magic cure for mental illness. There's not. What you can do is what you do every day on the radio. Talk to people. Mm. And, I, and I've spoke to a few AMs about having a proper show on mental health every single night. You know, a late night show where you're just there to answer people. So they phone in and you're a proper psychologist or whatever. We talked about a subject, but let people come and phone in. Because I, what I found out is from 10 onwards, when people go to bed, their minds start to drift and that's when you have the problems. You know, during the day you can sort of distract yourself by either going to work or going to the gym or going for walks or whatever. It might not feel great, you can distract yourself a bit, but it's then when you're alone in your bed and nobody can see inside your head and the, the, the wheels are turning. Sometimes the wheels aren't good in your head. So you, you need you need to be able to let that out. Samaritans are brilliant. There's loads of good charities but everybody works in isolation. So there's, there's not, that's why I was so impressed this afternoon with, with, with that organisation because she pulled everything together. Mm. You know, she had doctors and everybody and doing everything she could. And, and, and what they've done down there, it should be a blueprint for every city. You know, I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk to her, uh, an AM in Wales because she's very similar and she wants stuff done. And I think if I, if I looked at her, I looked at both and they're very similar characters and I think they can work fantastically well together. But the bottom line is, we need to get rid of the government and have a fairer society. And then mm. We don't have to have food banks. Why are we having food banks? Why are we having homeless people? It's because they want us to, to have it. Mm. You know, they can stop it tomorrow, but they don't want to stop it tomorrow for some reason. They're quite happy to, to let people starve and universal credit waiting five weeks is, is just... Mm disgusting really so I, I do think I think in Britain there's a change coming I think unfortunately we've got people like Tommy Robinson and Farage who are trying to split the country the Tories are going to pick either one unstable character or somebody that, that tried to destroy the NHS so they're not going to have a very good time and I think with Trump Trump's unstable Putin you know, the fellow, fellow in North Korea, the most stable person in the world. So at the moment, you've got a really unstable world, but I think people have come to the conclusion now that Britain's not fair. And, and it's, it's not a fair society. So I, I think things will change, whether Jeremy Corbyn will get in and do that, or whether Jeremy Corbyn will get in and somebody else will get in on top of him. But I think there's a sea change in Britain where people have had enough, and I do think the riots will get more. I do think Europe wants it to finish one way or the other, we can get on with doing stuff. If we're out, I don't think it's gonna be good for anybody. Mm. Just I know I know Neville that the Everton fans here, the Cork Everton branch are anxious to get you in there. So just about three or four quick rapid yeah, fire yeah. questions. The um 
obviously in the mid-80s Everton were on top and you got the better of your great rivals Liverpool and you know you almost won the treble Whiteside's goal against you later to go to Everton after yeah. that that's one, one thing that stands out I suppose around that time you were, you were, you were such a good side we were a great side and if, if things had been different we'd have, we'd have won um, I, th- I think if they had had somebody sent off we'd have won that um, and we just didn't have no energy no matter when I made a mistake from the goal but Norman never lets me forget it <laughs> in all fairness but Norman's a great player so that's one of the things yeah I, I think we, we we probably could have needed another day's rest another day's yeah. rest then we, we'd have beaten Man United yeah and um, you know the frustrating part of me spoke to Kevin Sheedy recently here as well mm-hmm. across Avon never about you know the ban in Europe how well would you have done in the European Cup you never got a chance to play in the European Cup how, how would that Everton side have done do you think well first of all the game should never have played at the stadium mm. because I don't think the health and safety was great mm. second the policing can't have been that good because you don't give scouts and um, Italians beer and not expecting, in Heysel, yeah. they're not expecting to fight mm. because they're always going to do that so the, I don't think it happened now because the policing is better and the, and, the, and the health and safety is a lot better the ban I think it all you to put happy with the ban I think Margaret Thatcher was happy with the ban and I'm disgusted that we didn't go back and try and break that ban because we never appealed and I don't know why we never appealed somebody told me it was the chairman was a Tory and that's one of the reasons why we didn't do it I've no idea about that but I would have liked to have appealed that ban because we'd done nothing wrong um, we'd have probably gone on and dominated Europe we'd have won the Champions League next year um, we'd have probably been in any round 5-10 years ago um, played in front of 60,000 people on a regular basis mm. we wouldn't have lost the manager we wouldn't have lost two of our players at least but he broke up the team, it didn't just banish Munich, it broke the team up and that's mm. that's the shame of it. And yeah. But would you swap that for all the people being alive? Push it. And I read in the book, I just read, you, you says, as a player you were never happy with uh, what you achieved, always thinking about the next game, the next challenge, a bit like what Roy Keane would say, just you know, reminiscent of what Roy Keane's attitude was towards the game. Yeah, but at the end of the day, once you finish the game, it's history. Mm. So you've got to do the next bit, the next bit, the next bit. You know. You can't live on your past. Mm. You, you know, you've got to live, and you've got to set targets for yourself. It's got to be better than. If you stop trying to be better, what's the point of carrying on? I, I couldn't imagine a day going in and going, I'll just cruise this day, because somewhere somewhere else is cruising, is not cruising, mm. and they're trying to get your place. So, mm. I think if you always try and improve, because you can improve slightly, mm. a little better but better. Well, I think you can examine everything you do. You, you've got the end of season, you go, right, what did I do there? And they just right, can I change that slightly? Can I do this? But I think also you, you can't be afraid not to experiment and try new stuff and see if it works. If it don't, you tried it. If it does, fantastic. But look at everything you do, the oils, what you eat, how you sleep, you know, what music you listen to. You just go through everything and, and just keep pulling it apart. But I think that's good anyway, sort of, every six weeks to just re-examine where you are and yeah. then go again. So the Player I, of the Year obviously meant a lot to you because only four keepers won the, the Soccer Riders Player of the Year in 85. That was obviously meant a lot to you, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, again, it was great because, you know, me and Howard went down on the, on the train after we got back from uh, Rotterdam. And unfortunately, I'd lost my voice shouting at people. So I asked him to do my speech and he went, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so I did get some karma though because he sat down on the stage and fell backwards and ripped his pants. <laughs> so right. he weren't happy, but no, it was brilliant for me. Look, um, it's always nice when you get something like that. And it is a good reflection on the team, I thought. Mm. 
because I think I could have made them saves made for Barry if I'm honest but nobody gives a shit monkeys would they mm. because I was making for Barry if you play in, in, in big games where everything is crucial and the timings are crucial then your saves become much better and I, and I laugh sometimes because I look at the Premier League and then, then I look at the Championship and the League 2 the goalie's making better saves down there but because they play the Premier League they're also the world class mm. yeah this fella's made a fantastic save in League 2 he'll get a mention and I, and I think it is a little bit mm. so the, ti- the timing and the importance of the game play a big part in it and how good you are because you have a better reputation if you're playing the bigger games. Yeah. Whether you whether you were as good as anybody else, it doesn't matter. You yes, just so. get that reputation. And just a quick quick one on the the current Everton situation. Finished eight in the table last year. What are the chances like? You know, realistic chance of Everton finishing the top four. Well, why can't they win the league? Mm. So you're you're asking. Top four. Just having won a, a trophy for what twenty four years. So what? Yeah. But you look at the negatives. I'm looking at the positives. Yeah. Tell me a reason why we can't do it. But realistically, so you spoke about the goal. Well, not realistically. The, the, well, so why did Leicester win it? You know the, the money you spoke about the goal. Man City have. You know. Doesn't make sure they have a good season, does it? Mm. Do you think Everton compete can compete with Man City and Liverpool for? We'd say if for I next was season. an Everton player going in, mm. I'd be thinking I want to win the league. Mm. Wherever you come, you come. Mm. But I want to win the league. What's the point of going in otherwise if I don't believe that I can win the league? Mm. What do the club should be set up? Is, saying, the, is the gap getting bigger though? Like what the Man City is and the money, like you know, like oh, what odds would you get on Everton, for example, to finish the top four next year? You probably get fifty to one. Right. So what odds would you give all them troops the Rogues gift mm. when you got attacked by four thousand Zulus? Mm. But they did. What do you think of the current team? Like are they, you know? I think it's what? it's probably top heavy with midfield players. I think Everton's problem is going to be getting rid of people because. Short of strikers, aren't they? Yeah, but you've got to get rid of people, and let's get. We can sign probably who we want to sign. It's who you get rid of, and how and how you get rid of them, and the money to get rid of people is going to eat into your budget. And that's the problem. You know, we've got to remember that we've had what this is his fourth manager in a short space of time. Mm. So we got probably three lots of players he doesn't want, and let's get rid of them three lots of players. It's going to going to cost the most money. 95 was the last trophy, was it the FA Cup? Yeah. 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 But yeah. I, see, I, I never. I think when we get to the new ground, I think within four years we'll win the Premier League. Four or five years. Because if I'm the chairman and I'm going, right, okay, we're going to ground in probably four years, let's build the club now, let's build this, the, the team up for four years. So when we get in that ground, we're going to fill it. Otherwise, we're going to find another 20,000 fans from somewhere. And we ain't going to do it with a bad team. So let's do it with a good team, yeah. and we'll build. And when I get into that good team, and it'll be playing okay, and it's got to be in the Champions League by then, then I've got to try and win the league in the next four years, because that's where all the cash is. Let's put the money down. Well, if I'm going to invest in a club, and, I, and I'm, got, I'm going to a new 60,000 60, stadium, I've got to fill it, mm. and I've got to fill the hospitality. Mm. Nobody comes to watch rubbish anymore. Mm. They all come to watch people win. And nobody's got any patience. Mm. So I looked at him and he's, he's trying to get a young squad together that's going to develop. And I think he's probably, if he's the right one, give him three or four years to do what he needs to do. And then hopefully they'll go on that pitch in the Champions League. They'll fill the ground and then hopefully they'll win the league within the four years. Okay. Because he's not going to invest in rubbish. 
I think we're getting the wind up. The last oh, yeah. one, the last one I want to talk right. to you about, uh, Neville, is, is Wales. Obviously, you play with great Wales teams mm-hmm. down the years and never qualified for major finals, mm-hmm. um, which obviously was frustrating with the great talent you had. And you know, we weren't good enough to get there. That's, a, that's the bottom line. So mm-hmm. we could regret we went, or we never got there, but we weren't good enough. You came close a few times. 2016. Then, what did you make of Wales in in France in the Euros in 2016? What did you make I of think, the performance? I, I think if the game should have been reversed. And they played uh, Portugal earlier. They did, they did got through to the final. Mm. I always thought they really, I always thought they get out of the group. You were impressed with the style of play, were you? Yeah, mm. because they, but they a good team, and they got some of that nobody can buy. They yeah. got a fail. If you want, if you Ramsey want, was out for the semi, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. the other way round, they, 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 they got through. Yeah. I'm convinced of that. And the fans were great, weren't they? The Welsh fans were great, all that. Yeah, I, I think everything was great, but you've got to remember that started with John Toshak putting loads of kids in. And it's very Ryan's getting loads of stick now by putting kids in, and the kids have got all the pace and no experience, and the experience have got no pace. Mm. So he's damned if he doesn't, damned if he doesn't. So he's putting the kids in, and they're getting experience. And I and I can see as maybe this tournament's come too soon for him, but the, the tournament after you expect them to go on and do really really well in it, mm. because they've got good pace and they've got good players, and they've got people in the right positions. But they're probably the one thing we've lacked for since Ian Rush is. Uh, it's an out-and-out striker. Mm. You had an out-and-out striker, you go fine. They relied on Garrett Bale a bit. Relied on Garrett Bale a lot. Yeah, and Ramsey. I know. Gareth hopefully will be a little bit more settled next year. Um, whether he stays in Madrid or not, let's hope he's a little bit more settled and plays a little bit more. But on, on the flip side of it, he's had a good rest this season, hasn't he? Yeah. So hopefully next season he'll be bombing. And the good thing is he wants to he wants to turn up and he wants to play. So that's that's good for Wales, and I think. Even though Ryan's getting loads of stick, I think the future's quite bright for Wales. Okay, just the very last one, Neville, I know, because I was at the match when you were that injury in Lansdowne Road against oh, Ireland. Oh, just counting Yeah, great rugby pitch, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the pitch was bad, wasn't it? Do you know, when I did that, it never hurt, to be fair, because I asked the fellow if I could go for the shower, and he said no. And he got to hospital, and the doctor came and said, I'll do that on the table now, and I went, no, 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 you won't. Put me out. So he said, all right. So he said right to the nurse, you, you get his boot, and, boot off and all that. And she was a student nurse. She can get my boot off. My foot was stuck out of there, and I'm trying to undo my boot when my foot stuck out the wrong way. I'm thinking, oh, no. And then when, when they did the operation, they put your leg right up. And then probably about 10 o'clock, I opened my eyes after the operation. And somebody just opened there, there was like 10 or 15 pairs of eyes just staring at me. <laughs> so yeah, it was brilliant, to be fair. It's a pleasure. Never thanks for talking to no us on the, on the score and um, 96FM. Thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you. it, Evan. Cheers, man.